You are listening to the Final Score Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Hope everyone is doing well. Greg Swatek of the Frederick News Post Sports Department here with you. And coming up on this week's episode, longtime Brunswick High baseball coach Roger Dawson will be here. 50 years ago this week, Roger's older brother Ricky struck out 24 in a district championship game at McCurdy Field. It's a state record that still stands to this day. So we'll talk to Roger about that record and his, his brother's life in general uh, coming up shortly. He's just a, re- just a really interesting guy. Uh, but first, uh, with the high school sports season now over for 2018 and 2019 here in Frederick County, we thought it would be a good idea to have on Kevin Kendrow, the supervisor of athletics and extracurricular activities for Frederick County Public Schools on, uh, just to reflect on the past year. And, and Kevin is sitting in studio with me right now. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. When, when you look back on the year that was, 28-2019 for FCPS athletics, uh, what, what comes to mind? Just another great year of excellence across the board in all of our sports. I think that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I know every uh, at the end of each year, you and I get to sit down together, and I think we both kind of look at the list of championships and accolades and just say, wow, how, how do we keep improving it, 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 this year? It keeps growing every yes. year, it mm-hmm. seems. So, uh, In fact, in the spring season, it was unusual because we only had the two mm-hmm. team champions with track and field, and we had, we had no other team champions. No, normally, we get one in baseball yeah, or, or do, softball, and or in, even lacrosse is growing, and we're getting – Getting closer and making real inroads in lacrosse too, but but just the two uh, state track champions, Oakdale boys or Bannon girls. Uh, yeah, I was this, this spring up at um, Aberdeen watching Middletown. They lost a tough one, but you know we were represented well. It was a great game, two outstanding pitchers. But yes, uh, track and field. Um, again, excellence you you see in the indoor track and field season, and now the outdoor track and field season. Yeah, this is year number four for the for the CMC, right? Uh, this is year four. Yeah, we just finished right. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington County has been with you guys uh, for two years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what is the current health of the league? I mean, h- how's it going? I think it's going really, really well. We just had our end of the year CMC meeting, um, actually Monday, and we finalized schedules for next school year. And we talked about you know things. Hey, do we need to look at this? Do we need to make improvements? And you know, there'll be some minor changes, but overall, the plan is to, is to keep it the same. Again, our championships seem to be the thing um, that has gone the best, that we've received the most positive you're, feedback. You're talking about the, the, the championship games. The championship games, yeah. yes. Well, we use Hood College in the fall for our volleyball, field hockey, and soccer championships in the winter. Probably our biggest event of the year is the CMC basketball championships at Hood College. Yeah, right you get now, a, you get a nice crowd for that. Yeah, we we pretty much sell out for that. And then, um, you know, we're back there in the spring for lacrosse, softball, and then we hold baseball at FCC. So the state of the league is very, very healthy. Um, we are uh, the addition of Washington County. I think was a great move for us. Fifteen schools in the league, eight in one division, seven in the other. And, uh, you know, Eric Michael, who's a supervisor of athletics in Washington County, you know, we looked at, hey, we are we're well represented in all sports across the state. Right. Frederick County and Washington County. Is, is there talks of maybe adding another neighboring county such as Carroll, who used to be part of the old MBAL? Not at this time. You know, a couple of people have asked me that. You know, my uh, answer is you never know because we're always open to improving our league and our experience for our student athletes and coaches. Right. So you never know. Yeah. I was going to ask you what, 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 what you like. You, you just mentioned that the, the championship games are, are, are going really well. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what else is working? What, what else do you really like about the CMC? I like the parity. You know, now that we're able to have the 1A, 2A schools in one division and our 3A and our loan 4A school in the other division, that's really worked well. And then the um, still being able to have 
the majority of our FCPS schools play each other, regardless if they're in the same division, that has worked out well, and it's worked out well for Washington County as well. And so, um, again, it's 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 good. How is the two division format going? The, the Spires and in the Gambrel, because the Spires is typically the bigger schools, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the Gambrel pits the, the smaller schools together. That is correct. Yep, Spires division are our three A schools, and our Lone four A, which is Urbana High School, and the Gambrel division are our one A and two A schools. And the decision was made prior to last school year, 2017-18, to have the two division winners play. So. Every season, if you're in a smaller division school or a bigger division school, you have the opportunity to potentially compete for a CMC championship. And I think that's worked really, really well. Right. Well, what is generally the feedback that you get from coaches about, about the divisions and, and, and the crossover between the, the big schools and the small schools? It's been positive. Um, you know, the, the travel's reduced a little bit. You know, you take a lot yeah. of our schools pretty close together. So coaches like that, parents like that, our, our athletic contests are well attended. And so, uh, good um, feedback. Yeah. Uh, what what can get better? Well, what are some areas where you guys might be looking to improve? We're always looking just to overall improve the experience for our coaches and student athletes. So take the championship games. You know, we have it at a collegiate venue. Um, we, we really promote it well. Simple things like, hey, do we want to add like the NCAA does and have a championship banner? So when they win the championship, instead of just holding a plaque, they have a big banner. Or what could we do to add something to make this, you know, what, how could we promote the league better? We've tried to use, you know, via Twitter and things like that to promote championships. The Frederick News Post has been, you know, a great partner with us to, to promote it. So we're always looking for coach feedback. Uh, we talk about that feedback during our CMC athletic directors meetings. Like, for example, um, our CMC outdoor track and field meets. The last two years, they've gone very, very late and so into the evening. And so we're trying to figure out how can we make some potential changes so it, we're not there so late. Track is tough because mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's so many events to complete, mm-hmm. and you don't want to minimize the, sc- the kids' school time that much. I mean, you don't want to take them out of school at, like, noon or 1 o'clock. That's correct. Now, we, we do that occasionally, and, and to be transparent with you, one of the suggestions and what we may do for next year for the CMC Outdoor Track and Field Championships, because our student-athletes for track and field don't have to get out you know, that often, you know, baseball and softball and tennis student athletes a lot of times have to, you know, half an hour early dismissal, even, even things football like that. for like the playoffs. Correct. Right, um, yeah. So we may hold our CMC outdoor track and field championships and begin at one o'clock next year as opposed to three, just so we don't have folks there till 930, 10 o'clock in the evening. I mean, I'm not sure you, you're uh, able to answer this very well, but uh, what's the, uh, Frederick County, they don't have an indoor track facility. Like, like all, mm-hmm. the the Frederick County public school teams often have to go to Hagerstown, mm-hmm. to Prince George's County, to even practice uh, during the indoor track season. M- many of them practice outside in, in, mm-hmm. in, in the very cold temperatures. Is, uh, might Frederick County have an in, in some sort of indoor facility coming up? Or uh, and this is probably out, out outside of your yeah. realm and even, even Frederick County public schools realm. But uh, but have you heard any discussion about that? You, you know, I haven't. Um, you know, I've had some consulting firms contact me. Hey, what are the needs here in Frederick County? A lot of times they think artificial turf fields and things like that. And having an indoor track and field facility in an aquatic center w- would be a great addition. Um, but to give credit to our coaches and our athletic directors and our indoor track and field student athletes, they make it work. You're correct. Sometimes they are on the track in the wintertime. They are they're sho- in the weight. They're shoveling the track. Yeah, they're yeah. in. They're in the weight room. They're using parking lots when it's safe, and um, 
they make it work. And some other counties are in the same boat, but you're right, our closest facilities are up 70 to Hagerstown or going down the PG Sports and Learning Complex, but they make it work. And I think that really says something about our coaches and our student athletes where, hey, you know, we don't have facilities right here, but we're still doing very, very well. As you can see from the indoor season, um, we had Oakdale boys, Linganore boys, and Urbana girls. Yeah, three, 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 three indoor team track team, and field right. state championships. Do you ever get pushback on indoor track and fields? Like, what are we doing? I mean, we have the outdoor season. We're, we're, we're traveling so far, putting any. Uh, putting a lot of miles in. Do, do people push back at all against the indoor track season? Not really. Um, you know, the way we look at it is it's an, o- it's an opportunity for our student athletes. We take great pride. I say it all the time. In Frederick County Public Schools, our athletic, our interscholastic athletic program, we offer every sport in which the MPSSAA has a state championship in. Not all counties can say that. We have every single one. So our student-athletes have the opportunity to compete for a state championship in every MPSSA-offered sport, and we take great pride in that. Uh, y- unified sports. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, were, you were a champion of, of, of that. Uh, this is year five or six for unified sports, Oh, no, right? we're on uh, year 10. Year 10? Has it been 10. that many? Wow, mm-hmm. the years are flying by that fast. Mm-hmm. How, how is the unified sports uh, program going? It's going great. Uh, we had in the fall um, uh, Oakdale Unified Tennis brought home a, a state title, and in the spring, Tuscarora, um, I'm sorry, Tuscarora Unified Track and Field and Frederick Unified Track and Field in the springtime. Um, Michelle Hill serves as Frederick County's coordinator for Unified Sports, does a great job. And, and, and tell everyone what Unified Sports are in case they don't know. Unified Sports is a partnership that um, we have, FCPS has, with Special Olympics, and it's a combination of students with and without disabilities competing together as teammates. And it's probably it's it's the best thing we've ever done in Frederick County Public Schools in regards to athletics. What sticks in my mind is our first indoor I tell the story all the time. Our first indoor um our first unified track and field meet was held at Urbana High School. I happened to be the athletic director and the coordinator of unified sports at the time. And we actually use it as one of our promo- promotional flyers. Rob Havenstein um of the of the LA Rams. Of the right, LA Rams yeah. um is standing there holding a little girl's hand, and they're getting ready to run the 100-meter dash. And it's just, and, you know, and you don't think a big Rob is someone that runs the 100-meter. He probably doesn't run the 100-meter yeah. dash that often. So, yeah, uh, what, what a great photo. It, yeah. it was a great fro- photo. And he actually did a, um, it, not this past Unified Springs Track and Field State Championship, but last year's, they actually had him, uh, it was at the PG Sports and Learning Complex, and they had a video message where he welcomed everyone to the unified track and field state invitational it was really really neat right um what, what was it what was i just going to ask you the thought uh, the thought escaped my head um oh yeah you i wanted to go back to the unified sports uh, it's you offer different types of sports too mm-hmm. uh bocce is is is, is, is mm-hmm. one of the sports you offer what, what are some of the other other various unified sports uh, offerings we offer three um one per season in the fall it's unified tennis in the winter, it's unified bocce, indoor bocce. And then in the spring, it's unified track and field. All three are popular. I think everyone knows that unified bocce is probably our most popular. Could, could, could bocce become a, a, a sport? I mean, well, or we, we, we consider unified sports a sport yeah, right no, now. No, 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 I, yeah. I, mean, I mean like a regular you never uh, know. High, high school sport. You so. never know. I would say probably in the short term, no. Uh, but it is a great unified sport. Um, some other counties offer it in a different season. So there's actually unified outdoor bocce ball where they play like on artificial turf fields. And then they'll have a different unified sport in the wintertime. 
Um, but the majority of the school systems that partner with Special Olympics use the same three sports in the same order that we do. So Falls Unified Tennis, and there's a state invitational that's at uh, Loyola. I think one year was at Towson. I think this past year was at Loyola. Unified bocce ball we're excited about because the state final for the past three or four years has been at HCC. So that's really close. Perfect venue for it, like 12 courts laid out. Uh, then Unified Track and Field in the spring is at the PG Sports and Learning Complex. So our athletes and partners um, have the opportunity to compete just like those in interscholastic sports to compete for a state championship. Yeah, and you, and you just mentioned that. You say you offer a st- you every sport you offer has a state mm-hmm. championship component mm-hmm. to it. If you were ever considering, if FCPS were to ever consider expanding its sports offerings to include a sport like bocce mm-hmm. or, or something that's not already offered, w- w- would that be an important factor in making that decision that you can't compete for a state title in, in, in that sport? Yes, I think that would probably one hundred percent. Yeah, if, if they're like if the MPSA were to offer a sport that had a state championship in it, and we were looking at expanding, you know, we would say, hey, this is this a great opportunity. Cause and, we're, we're always we're always open for feedback. Right, and would you hesitate to expand if a state title wasn't wasn't offered in the sport? If if uh, if other counties weren't weren't doing it, w- w- would you? Well, when I was in high school, uh, Har- I went to high, f- high school in Bel Air, Hartford mm-hmm. County. We played boys volleyball in, mm-hmm. in, in Hartford County. I, I think we were one of two counties in Maryland that, that, that did. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a true state champion. Might FCPS add a sport that didn't have a state yes, championship? Yes, I think you know component? we're always open to um, expanding opportunities, extracurricular activities for our students and our student athletes. Right. So, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of big changes in the last year with FCPS. One uh, uh, I want to talk about is, is, is the change to the tennis state championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's now broken down into four classifications mm-hmm. before there was one state champion. And, and, and now we have the different disciplines. We have number one singles, number two singles, and, and you crown a county champion in, in, in all those sports. The, the, this spring was the first time that that format was uh, implemented. What what sort of feedback did you get on the, on, on the changes to tennis? Again, great feedback. And I'll give a lot of credit to Sean Weiss. Sean's the, um, you know, one of the tennis coaches at Oakdale High School, serves on the state committee, is the district chair for tennis. But um, tennis never had that team championship component, and now it does. And the unique thing with, with tennis is that the girls and boys are kind of working together for that team championship. But, yeah, I remember putting something out on uh, Twitter regarding uh, new format, same great tradition, as we went to do our 2019 FCPS tennis tournament where we had first and second singles, first, second, and third doubles. And then at the state, they do mixed doubles. And um, so I think it added um, something new. Uh, I know there was a lot of um, discussions among tennis, the MPSSA Tennis Committee. I mean, nothing's going to go until that discussion is, is Right, is yeah, the, the state changed its tennis format mm-hmm. to, to match that. So so was it was your change in response to that? Were you, uh, were you trying to match up what the state was doing? 100%, yeah. yes. Yeah, and Sean Weiss, again, um, did a great job communicating with all of our other tennis coaches, getting their feedback. And even after this year's county tournament, I said, hey, Sean, I really want you to, to reach out to the coaches, get their feedback on how it went, any potential changes. And they liked it, other than the weather. The weather was tough this year. Um, it was a little better than last spring. It wasn't quite, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't yeah. quite as wet because spring of 2018 was probably the worst ever, right? It was. Uh, the story that sticks in my mind is arriving at the tennis courts, I think like on a Saturday morning, and um, you know everything had flooded, and there was actually like a, a dead fish sitting laying on the tennis right, court. Because there was so, so much water yeah. uh, around. But so. no, great, great move for our tennis folks, and the feedback has been good. And, um, you know, it's... 
we'll see where it goes. Yep. The other big change uh, we'll have uh, we have yet to see. It, it'll it'll happen this fall, and that's with the change to the football season mm-hmm. and, and, and the football playoffs. Uh, sort of explain that and sort of how that that came about. Well, the football committee um, across the state have always, you know, in in past several years, you know, trying to see what can we do to improve the tournament. And, you know, there's talk about seeding all 16. You know, that probably would be the number one choice, but travel in those early rounds, it just, it wasn't feasible. And I'd like to give credit where credit's due. This proposal really came from District 1, which is Garrett, Allegheny, Washington, Frederick, and Carroll. And specifically, it came from Frederick County Public Schools. Um, Ryan Hines, who is the athletic director at Urbana High School and serves on the state football committee, kind of, um, you know, headed this committee and sent out surveys to coaches and we really wanted to boil it down to we need one proposal because if there's three or four proposals it's where nothing's going to move forward and the goal was to try to increase the opportunities for our student athletes our football student athletes in particular to get to experience postseason high school playoff football because there's nothing like it and um, all other sports you know have open playoff format with the exception of dual meet wrestling. That's right now, that's sort of the only one that you still have to qualify for. And, um, you know, we thought nine game, double the amount of teams that get into playoffs. Um, and then part B to that was, hey, at the old region championship level, let's reseed to try to, let's get the be- better teams all get to get in. And then let's try to get the best teams to the state final at the Naval Academy. Okay. So to summarize, the football season is being shortened from 10 regular season games to nine regular season Correct. games. Uh, there will be a preliminary round of, of, of playoffs uh, w- within the region, and then the, re- the reseeding happens after the first game or, or, or the second game? It happens at the old region championship okay. level. Okay. Yeah. And so it'll be the, you know, in essence now the, the third round. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So it'll be two rounds of playoffs, and then, and then they'll reseed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you'll remember, well, I believe it was 2011 and 12, Middletown and Walkersville mm-hmm. were the were probably the two best two A teams in the state, mm-hmm. and they faced each other in the region championship. So now game. that won't happen. Right. right. Yeah. It, now that won't happen. Right. Or, uh, it all also happened to Walkersville again in 2016 mm-hmm. when when they and Damascus looked like the clear front runners in Class Two A, and they played in the region championship. So, uh, so again, like like you say, this will avoid that because because. Um, the teams will be reseeded. Have you gotten any pushback at all of the regular season being shortened for for the schools that don't make the playoffs? They are playing one one less game. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're and and, and Ryan will tell you there. Yeah, there's been some not concerns, but just say questions regarding that, and you know, loss of gate revenue, things like that. So there's some plans in place to to help offset because every other year you you could potentially have four regular season games, home games, as opposed to five. But overall, I think the feedback of getting more teams into the playoffs, especially teams. You know, we have very strong football in this area. Yeah. And so sometimes you could have – there's been years where a team with even one loss, your question, you know, are you going to even get into playoffs? Yeah, Oakdale, I think, had one loss in um – in 20 uh well, well this past year oakdale mm-hmm. uh, un- undefeated a road playoff game at liberty mm-hmm. a road playoff game at damascus they finally got to host the state semifinal game after they won the region and then a road mm-hmm. st- state final so they went undefeated uh and they had one home playoff game the year before i think they had one loss and they didn't they had no mm-hmm. home playoff games so, so this uh, and again that's you make a good point now those schools now are, are most likely going to also get at least a home game 
yeah. you know, that they deserve, so, that, so, they, so that they earn. There's a game of additional revenue to mm-hmm. offset the, the regular season mm-hmm. uh, loss. I, I I guess it's hard to see it being feasible of the teams that don't make the playoffs then being able to schedule another game. Like mm-hmm. these things need to be scheduled pretty far in advance, right? That is the football committee is going to use the next two years to examine that because initially there were some thoughts of, hey, let's have like a uh, basically a supplemental tournament. You know, yeah. the teams that don't qualify, but, they, you know, we really have to put more thought into that. And so that is one of the goals of the state football committee is to use these two years. Okay, look at, okay, these teams didn't qualify this year. Is it reasonable for just to allow one more game to play, you know, or to create a separate, yeah. you know, like an NIT type of tournament? Yeah, it, it seemed like there's lots of logistical hurdles. Yeah. Who, who, who plays who? Where do they play? Mm-hmm. It, and it, it happened. I mean, and you don't. In some cases, you don't know you're not going to make the playoffs until the final week of the season. Correct. So, so it has to be it has to be done within a very short time span. Mm-hmm. So which makes it challenging, uh, uh, I'm sure. So, but but they are looking at that, and that is one of the goals of, com- of the committee. Right. But people like these football changes so far, from what you've heard. Yes, I know. Um, you guys did a great job w- with the article, and the feedback has been good. I mean, it passed. Um, you know, the board of controls and the executive council. The numbers were very high in favor. It had, uh, you know, I serve on the executive council for the MPSA and the board of control, and I can tell you that um, the football committee did a great job, and um, a lot of thought was given into the feedback from the f- from our football coaches across the right. whole entire state. If, if you could give everyone an outline of sort of the process, when, when big decisions like these are made and big changes like these are made, what what happens? Like, how does how does the ball get rolling on on, sure, on, on some of this stuff? Sort of give you the Cliff Notes version of every sport in the FPS has a sport committee. There's nine different districts. There's a representative from each district. And so most of these things evolve out of the sport committee. Hey, uh, we would like to, you know, potentially see this change in our sport. And then from there, you know, it goes to um, executive council, which I serve on. At times, it needs to go to the finance committee to look at, hey, what's the financial impact of this change? And then ultimately, it's approved by the Board of Controls. And um, that's how changes are made. It, it sounds like, oh, it's pretty easy, but it's not. I mean, football has been trying to make changes for many, many years. And there's, you know, just like with any sport, coaches have different feelings. So I think the key that football went so well this year is that there was one decision. This is what we want to do as opposed to A, B, or C, we're kind of split. Some want this, yeah, some like want that. Yeah, like thumbs up or thumbs down, yes, right? Yeah, and know. I think that's why it went well. But, um, you know, it's – and it was tough because they formally didn't get voted on until April. And you got schedules to be in May. That's a little bit late to make schedules. And so kind of did like an informal survey, just discussion back in the, you know, early or late early, – early winter to say, hey, you know, how would you vote if this were to go this way? And that gave us a little bit, okay, let's go ahead and move forward with this. But it wasn't actually finalized until like April 27th. Yeah, it's like a lot of things. It's like it's like life. It's hard to do big mm-hmm. things and, and make big changes or make big decisions in, in life. And, I mean, there's, there's so many steps and hoops you have to jump through. It, it always makes it more difficult. With the, with the nine-game schedule, it seems to reduce the scheduling burden on some of the schools, too. Like some of the schools that have been very good in our area, mm-hmm. Oakdale, Ligonor, they've had trouble filling out their schedule because teams don't want to play them because they don't want to get dinged. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to see their playoff standing or, and their playoff points get dinged at all. So they have to go out of state to, to find an opponent. But but now with one less game, it seems... Yeah, that, well, that, that seems it's helping. It, yeah. it hasn't completely solved the issue. It's helping. Um you know, one thing, um, and I've been transparent about it, I would like to see moving forward. You mentioned, you know, 
things that we could do better with the CMC is I would like to see, you know, us come up with a plan to include football back into the CMC, you know, to help with scheduling even even more. But right, because because now I I wanted to ask you about that mm-hmm. too, because now we're Bruns- Brunswick High plays an independent schedule, Catoctin. And I think uh, Frederick High are, are, are the three schools. Yeah, we're, it's, it's, if I had to categorize it all, it's pretty much it's almost all an independent schedule in a way. So athletic directors, myself, principals work together to put together the so, schedule. So, so everyone's sort of mm-hmm. doing their own thing, and you, and you try to hold the league format as, as, as well as you can. Um, is it, for a program like TJ that doesn't even have a feeder program anymore, mm-hmm. is, is, there, is there some concern there? And are you trying to pump some life into, into that there football is, program? There is, and Mike Chavez and um, you know, his staff, are, you know, athletic director and his staff, Coach Humphreys, they're doing a great job of trying to build that back up. You know, I'm, I'm a former TJ graduate, right. and um, I know they're putting a lot of you know, effort in, into doing that. Yeah, and might might they go to a completely independent schedule? Not for this or? next two years. You know, okay. we're going to yeah, to be transparent. So, 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 so TJ will be a part of the league scheduling mm-hmm. yes. for, for, for the ne- at least the next two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your, your job really starts in earnest August 1st, you said. Like mm-hmm. August 1st happens. Uh, the first day of practice is only about uh, 10 to 12 days away mm-hmm. probably at that point. And then you're you're on the move basically, and you're on the go for like ten months, mm-hmm. and then Memorial Day happens, and then it's all over. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the the season ends. Does it feel like it? Those ten months go by in, in in the blink of an eye. They do actually, because it's just you know there there there's athletic events every evening. Before you know it, one season's getting ready to go into playoff season, and the next season's getting ready to start. So it's a fun time. I can tell you the. From my position and the position of um, my fellow athletic directors, it's the end of one season and the start of another that get to be very, very crazy, busy, fun. You're out every night. You know, you're preparing for different things. Um, But, yeah, after Memorial Day State Championships, it's a little different feeling when you walk into the office. You know, oh, there's no athletic events tonight. You know, right. I drive home and I'm thinking, okay, I guess, well, I don't, I'm not going out to any events tonight because we don't have any, but yeah. we're already in prep. We're in preparation mode. I'm, you know, we're, we got all schedules finalized for next year, all meeting dates. So there's really no downtime. It's just a different feeling in the off season. And you mentioned, you know, fall sports this year begin August 14th. For me, once that August 1st calendar date hits, that's sort of the change. Like, here we go. Fall season time. Right. Do you enjoy that dynamic where you're on go, 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 go for 10 months and then it's like, bam, it's like dropping off a cliff. Then, yeah, then, I mean, then, I then, just, then there isn't much going on in terms of like on the field events and yeah, stuff. In regards to on the field events, there's always things going on. We're always, you know, negotiating officials, contracts, you know, schedules, buses, coach training. So there's always things that are going on. But it's a different feeling when sports are actively practicing and, and competing. And it's. It's just like when I was the athletic director at Urbana High School, you get excited. You know, I, I'm excited for August 14th. I can't wait for it to be here. I'm excited next I'll be excited for November 15th. I'll be excited for February 29th next year is when spring sports start because March 1st falls on a Sunday. So right. get excited for all three seasons. Right. I wanted to ask you about this too. Like when you started the CMC in April of 2015, one of the big tenants, one of the big – founding principles you had was, was sportsmanship mm-hmm. and in sportsmanship unfortunately i mean it seems like across the board it's it's not where where, where it needs to be in, in on sports of all levels mm-hmm. how do you think the cmc sportsmanship campaign is going and is what you do with sportsmanship working 
I think it is working, and I think you're correct in that it's an issue, but it's an issue everywhere. And I can tell you, I think, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I think we do a little bit better job here in, in FCPS, and it's because of the coaches that we have. Of course, you have incidents that, that crop up from yeah, time and to time, that, and, 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 and you need to address. And we right. address them, but, you know, um, from leadership at the top with our superintendent, Dr. Alban, you know, it's her, her and I, we share the same vision of, of besides student-athlete safety, sportsmanship's a top priority. So our Principal's Cup Award, which, you know, that implements sportsmanship into it, our separate sportsmanship award, um, new pre-contest message that we've created. I'm actually chairing a committee right now for the whole MPSSA in regards to sportsmanship. And it's, it's very interesting to sit in a room full of colleagues, other supervisors across the state, and say, you know, here's some things we deal with, and they're dealing with the same thing. Right. Um, well, why, why did you guys decide to go to the pre-recorded sort of message that is played before before all sporting events? I've always wanted to do it. I like to steal ideas, too. And when you go to an event in Montgomery County Public Schools, they have that. Yeah. And so I always thought that that would be a, a good idea. Just just have the standard message. Just have because before, before there was always a message, but before it was mm -hmm. read by the various PA Yeah, announcers. and we wanted to highlight our commitment, you know, to safety about, I mean, just you take something that we say in there, you know, make sure to recognize two other areas where you could leave other than where you entered, you know, times are changing and we want to, you know, our commitment to s uh, safety and sportsmanship, we wanted to highlight that. We wanted to remind folks that, you know, before, during, and after the game, you know, folks should reach, you know, not come on to the athletic field or the court. And so it's, it's, it, I think it's, that has been perceived well, but again, I have to give credit where credits due. Um, a lot of that message actually was taken from Montgomery County public schools and, uh, Jeff Sullivan, who's a supervisor over there, we're always bouncing ideas off each other. Well, why, why was sportsmanship such a huge part of what you wanted to incorporate into the CMC? Just because that's what I believe in. You know, we're education-based athletics. And um, I turn on the TV, and I get frustrated sometimes of what I see. I get frustrated of what I see at the professional level, and I get fr frustrated sometimes of what I see at, even now at the collegiate level. Do you have a general theory on why things are going downhill across all levels in that regard? I mean, as the father of two uh, young boys, who uh, would that be a major concern? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't really know if I have you know, that answer. I just think that some of it's become like the norm or accepted. Yeah. But, you know, teaching life lessons through sport, that is actually, that's the goal of education-based athletics. You know, we're not, we always talk about that. We're not, and they all, they all serve a great purpose, but we are not youth and rec athletics, but we're also not club athletics. We are education-based student center. We are fifth, sixth, seventh period of the day. So when you show up to work now, what, what are you working on? What, what, are, the, what are the plans uh, for the summer uh, for you guys at FCPS in, in terms of athletics? Me, um, scheduling is a big thing, preparing for preseason coaches meetings, um, you know, getting officials' contracts ready to go. Are, are those negotiated annually? Or? Some annually, some every other, every other year. Yeah. Um, you know, and just, just, you know, buses, transportation, officials, making sure all coaches have taken appropriate classes. Um, this is a good segue into what I wanted to mention to you. We're very excited on Monday, June 17th, FCPS is hosting a heads-up football clinic. We actually, mm -hmm. was gonna, we were going to invite the Frederick News Post where all of our football coaches are going to – Is Kevin Lenat is he um, spearheading this? Yeah, he's yeah. involved in it. He, right. yep, he um, helps out with USA football. And um, all of our 
paid contracted coaches are going to get heads up certified. And we believe we're the first county in the state of Maryland to do that. And this, this again, is it, hopefully it shows our commitment to student-athlete safety. Sports are not safe. No sport's safe. Our goal is to make them as safe as possible. And, you know, we're taking who I feel are the best football coaches in the state. I'm, well, we, just look we, at, well, look at we the got success. the best football coaches in the state. I'm just going to say it. Look and, at the success of the teams, yeah. And we are going to even – take the best football coaches and ask them to come to a training to improve safety for their, for their student athletes. So I'm very, very uh, proud of that. But, uh, yeah, five to nine, uh, Monday, June 17th, Frederick high, we're going to, they're going to be getting USA football heads up certified. How, how do you feel football is being received, um, in, in this County? Um, I mean, cause in so many places you hear that football programs are, 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 are folding mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and parents are concerned about putting their kids in football or they don't want their kids playing football anymore. I, I went out uh, probably two or three years ago, maybe even four years ago, and, and talked to the people in the county, and they said, no, uh, we, we're fine with our kids playing football. And I, I, the, the answer I got sort of surprised me because it was parents that weren't really that concerned about it. So uh, w- what is your experience with what, what you've heard in the terms of the way football is being perceived uh, in, in this area? I, th- I still think it's being perceived well, and it's a credit to our football coaches because they understand that football is changing. They understand that the old Oklahoma drills or or bull in the ring that, you know, you're doing a practice. Do that. The hitting has reduced. You know, it's there's actually we have rules in place. The MPSSA rule have rule. We have rules in place to limit, you know, contact. Yeah, the and heat acclimation too. Heat acclimation. And just um, youth football is changing too. I mean, there's a, a bigger push toward flag football for the younger kids. And there's people who you know, I know we're way better experts at football than I'll ever think I'll be. They're saying that's, that's the future at the youth level is flag football. Um, but it's just, you know, there's more knowledge. There's more concussion awareness now about football. And because of that, techniques have changed. Training methods have changed. Do you, Coaching do you think the sport changed. is becoming safer? Safer. Yeah. Yes. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And yep. you guys are sort of at the at the forefront, like you say, with with doing this heads up stuff and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. So you say no other states or, or, or oh no, we or no other uh, counties. I, th- I believe we're okay. going to be the first county in the state of Maryland to, to have it implemented systemically. But there's been other schools, teams, state associations, you know that that have done it. Do do parents come to you with concerns about about their children, their sons p- playing football? You know, occasionally, but um, I think because of again because of our coaches yeah. and the trust factor there, they're okay with it. Right. Um, you mentioned the Principals Cup. That, mm-hmm. that that's something that has also been uh, here since day one of of the CMC, w- which incorporates sportsmanship and just mm-hmm. the overall success that a school has across all seasons and across all sports. Have you awarded the Principals Cup for this year? And if so, do you care to make uh, the winning announcement uh, right here? Um, I can't do it right here because yeah. it's not technically finalized. I gotcha. And truthfully, I was actually looking at the standings because we're still waiting on some final confirmations to make sure we have everything accurate. And one's going to be closer than I thought. I still think it's going to go the way that I suspect. Um, but that will be released most likely early next week. I don't think we're going to be able to get it done by tomorrow. I have a pretty good guess of who it's going to be, but I'd rather, you know, to be professional to make sure I don't say something that's not accurate. Wait, right? Yeah, and, and just summarize what the Principals Cup is for everyone, and and, and how you uh, come to uh, awarding the winner and, and, and stuff, and, and why you incorporate it. Again, this goes back to what we when we formed the CMC, we wanted to make something that was special, add something to it, 
And the Principal's Cup acknowledges the overall top athletic program in the county. Starting last year, we awarded two by division um, because not all of our schools play each other. So when um, Washington County came in, um, not all of our schools you know, play each other, so we couldn't just have one. So we have a Gamble Division Principal's Cup winner and a Spires Division Gamble Division winner. And it's all sports are weighted the same. If you win a championship in the um, Gamble Division, since there's more schools, you get 10 points. Second place gets seven, all the way down to last gets one. In the Spires Division, if you win a championship, you get nine. Second place gets six, all the way down to one. And we add up those points at the end of the school year. Every sport counts. Um, sports aren't weighted differently, and whoever has the most points wins. However, any student-athlete that's ejected, you lose three points. Any coach that's ejected, you lose five points. What about fans getting on the officials or anything like that? We don't have that yet. Uh, okay. we, we, we award a separate sportsmanship award, which is um, a little bit more subjective. It's based on voting, Okay. Um, where that comes in comes into play F fan ba fan behavior mm -hmm. too so, so so will will fan behavior eventually become a part of the principal's cup you, you know it's funny i just had a coach i'm not going to say his name but he reached out to me and said hey kevin you know i want to i want to talk to you i think we could make this even better and incorporate you know some things like that or you know um community service you know give extra points for community service so um i'm going to be talking to that uh coach um and picking his brain a little bit of how we can make the principal because again we're always looking what right. can we do better right and so hey we may be able to make this principal's cup even better by adding maybe a community service component or something uh, like that. i think in the past four years urbana's won it two or three times and mm -hmm. uh, i believe oakdale was oakdale the the champion uh, yes. uh, last year uh we've had it for four years um when it was just fcps the first two years urbana won and uh, then the past two years urbana's won the spires division and the past two years oakdale's won the gamble division so, so you've separated it by, by yeah, division, it's now by division. over the last few years. So mm -hmm. there's two Principal's Cup. Yeah, champions. last year was the first year that it was two divisions. This year will be two divisions. And people like the Principal's Cup uh, for the most part. They it, do. It's, it's well received. Yeah. It's well received. But again, I, I look back to that um, that coach email that I got today. I'm like, hey, you know what? We probably could find ways to improve this. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to at least look into it to see if we can. Uh, yeah, if you included fan behavior, that that, that mm -hmm. might that might really uh, ha mm -hmm. that, officials I know would love that probably because yes. they probably wouldn't hear quite as many mm -hmm. uh, complaints or or, or, or uh, just not, not threats, but but just they they wouldn't hear so many calls of, of uh, from the fans in the crowd. So. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's summertime. What's on tap for the Kendro uh, family uh, this summer? Hopefully a lot of family time. You know, I'm, I'm very lucky to have a, a supportive wife who knows, you know, what the job entails and um, eating dinner, you know, giving her a kiss, giving Caden and Camden, our two boys, a kiss and saying, hey, daddy's running out to some games tonight. Or, you know, with Caden, who's just turned five, getting a little bit older now, I can take him to more events. But, um, you know, we always talk about family com comes first and, a buddy of mine who retired last year, you know him well, Kevin McMullen, Coach Mack. Yeah. You know, when I was a young uh, athletic director at Urbana who didn't know anything, right. we used to have our Waffle House chats. Yeah, and now there's a Waffle House right on Jefferson Street yeah. there. They, they, they put one in for you. <laughs> yeah. So. But he used, to, uh, he used to always tell me, Kevin, make sure that your family comes first. And so um, – that is one of the main goals of the summer is to spend a lot of family right. time. And, and uh, how, are, how are things on the Little League uh, coaching circuit? They're going well. I'm a, I'm a t-ball coach. I'm back to my, my roots. You yeah. I was a baseball coach at Urbana, but I'm loving coaching t-ball right now. You know, 
I definitely have a different perspective when I was that young 21 year old coach. I can tell you that. Right. And it's um, I'm having a blast coaching. Yeah, you have some good players on the on the team besides we, besides your sons. Or, we, we do. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's 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 uh, the Astros are are doing well right now. Uh, good. So good. We, we have two games left. Two games. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And is, is there a state? Uh, are you in contention for a state title? No. Or, this uh, is yeah. uh, just an in-house t-ball league, and okay. what we're getting excited about is our um, last game and our pizza party um, nice. that we're going to have on um, next monday so P- pizza instead of burgers and dogs or uh, pizza and some and some ice cream so. that now what a, what a perfect mm-hmm. uh, summer meal yeah. so kevin i always enjoy doing this so we'll have, to, we'll, have to, we'll have to start calling this our state of the cmc uh address here, here good, at, at the end of the school year so uh and we'll, hopefully we, we we'll have the chance to bring you on maybe uh, during the year to, to talk about some of this Sounds stuff good. or as, as things happen so Thanks for coming in, and we are back in a second here on The Final Score with Brunswick baseball coach Roger Dawson. We are back here on The Final Score podcast, and on June 7th, 1969, 50 years ago this week, Ricky Dawson, a senior at Brunswick High School and one of the top pitchers in the state of Maryland, took the field at McCurdy Field in Frederick. His fastball was humming, his trademark curveball was biting, and a few hours later, Dawson had 24 strikeouts, 24, which is still a state record to this day. But Dawson's defense betrayed him that day. Nine errors later, Southern Garrett had come away with a 6-3 victory over Brunswick in the District 1 Class B-C championship game. Ricky's little brother is Roger Dawson, the longtime baseball coach at Brunswick High School, and Roger is here with me now to help commemorate this 50th anniversary. Roger, you've been around baseball a long time. How, how do you lose a game striking out 24? Well, to me, it's almost impossible. But uh, I guess some shaky defense that day, uh, you know, probably coupled with a couple walks probably cost them dearly. And, uh, you know, despite the 24 strikeout performance, uh, you know, they came out on the losing end. Right. What, what type of person, what type of pitcher was, was your brother? Well, Rick – Rick's 12 years old. He was 12 years older than me, uh, you know, one of my two older brothers. Um, and as I told you before, we, uh, we're a baseball family. My father played for the Chicago Cubs, and, and we grew up around the game, you know, at a very early age and, and you know, had a very competitive family. It's like I said, sometimes backyard picnics, volleyball, and badminton would turn pretty competitive. So uh, he, 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 was a, he was just a great competitor. Um, you know, he was a great bowler. He, you know, he did a lot of things well. But uh, when he took the mound to, to pitch, he was he was a fierce competitor, man, and just very talented. Yeah, you mentioned something like you always noticed that the knees on his baseball pants were kind of worn out because he had a kick, and he'd get pretty low with his delivery uh, when, when he was coming through firing the ball to the plate. Yeah, Rick wasn't a big guy. You know, he's 5'10", and, and probably at, when he was pitching in high school, he's 150, 160 pounds, and – uh, we call those guys max effort guys, guys that put their total body into it to get what they could get. And, you know, and his delivery at back leg would drag. And, uh, you know, he, he just he, – he got everything he could out of the frame that he had. Yeah, what was your relationship like as his little brother? I mean, you're you're 12 years apart. Oh, uh, you know, we're a very close family. And, uh, you know, I just he, – he was, you know, a brother that you admired, uh, along with my other older brother, Rob. I mean, they were – you know, they were great athletes, and, you know, my younger brothers and I looked up to those guys, man. It was just, you know, 
you know, what we wanted to do, and we wanted to fill the same shoes that they did. Man, they were they were just great athletes and, and good people. Did you ever take an at bat uh, off your brother? No. Uh, one thing I fortunately did get to do, uh, like I said, he's twelve years older than me. I was I was playing college ball and playing in the Loudoun County League, and uh, was able to play with him. He 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 joined a, a team that I was on and pitched a few games. And of course, he was thirty years old at that time, and and not in the shape he was when he was pitching high school baseball. But uh, I got to see, you know, how good he could be. I mean, you could just tell that when he was in his prime that he was really good. So I did get to play with him for a brief period of time. Yeah, and what was that like? Oh, it was good. I mean, it's great. I mean, just to be able to take the field with him and, you know, play behind him and, uh, you know, something, you know, I'll cherish that I was able to do. Yeah, I mean, how did he get so much on his fastball? I mean, his fastball, people – people that I, I talked to some people that played in that game with him and they said man he that, that fastball was probably in the mid to high 80s uh, yeah. probably for, for a five, guy that was five seven yeah he uh well, he's a little bigger than that Rick or, was probably about five ten five ten okay five ten yeah he you know greg i've, I've coached a long times man and, and and sometimes little guys can really let it go um you know how do you explain that i don't know uh, but you know, they said Rick was was a upper eighties guy with with great stuff, and you know I've seen little guys be able to do that, and 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 fortunately my brother was one of them. Yeah, I mean, did he do anything special? I mean, because there wasn't the the weight there wasn't weightlifting wasn't as big as it is today. I mean, w w what did he do to stay strong and and well, stay in shape off the field? I can remember as a kid we had we had a garage out back, and it was of course it was concrete and. I could remember him drawing the black dots on the bottom half of that garage, and, and that's where he worked on his craft. It was in our backyard. Um, you know, and his location was, you know, supposedly was, was, was stellar. And, you know, it took a lot, of, a lot of work in the backyard just throwing balls off a concrete wall. I think that's where, you know, what he did to get his game to where it was. Yeah, and, and his curveball might have been even more renowned than his fastball. Uh, a couple left-handers that, that played with him uh, that, that I talked to said – that you might be bailing out of the box thinking the ball was going to hit you as a left-hander, but then the ball would just dive right over the plate and it would be a strike. I mean, it was a knee-buckling curveball. Right. Yeah, I talk to those those guys. I see them in town frequently, and, you know, we often recollect, you know, back to the days when Rick pitched, and, and those guys said he was just devastating with, with what he had. With the fastball he had and the curveball, they were, you know, guys – 50 years later, are still talking about how good he really was. Yeah, I mean, he had 24 strikeouts in this game, a state record. There's so many records in baseball that that probably aren't going to get touched. And, and and this seems like, while not on the scale of some of the major league records, it seems like another one that's going to fall in that class. Well, you know, like I said, I've been coaching high school baseball 31 years. Now we have a pitch count, you know, and I, I just don't see kids being able to, you know, you know, to accomplish that feat with a pitch count anymore. I mean, it it was probably almost impossible with, you know, no pitch count to, in, in the first place. But to throw 105 pitches in there, I just don't see it being breaking. Right. And and, and that was nothing. Bad. I mean, people didn't think about pitch counts and, and preserving arms and, and all this science that's in, in baseball now. None of that existed. So, I mean, you basically pitched back in back in the 60s till your, till your arm fell off, right? Right. I don't even want to think about how many pitches he probably threw in that ball game, but I'm sure it was more than 105. Right. Did he ever, did he ever have any major injuries? Did he ever complain of, 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 of any pain in, yeah. uh, in his – because he was a left-hander. Um, right. so, so that made him that made him more tricky uh, too because the ball is coming from the opposite side. Right, so. right. Yeah, never complain. Okay. Never complain. 
Um, and and a, a game like this wasn't that uncommon for him. I mean, he he often had strikeout games that were in the teens that that, that were pushing twenty. Right. Uh, you you told me before we came on here that that he actually held the seven inning state record because uh, he had an eighteen strikeout game in 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 nineteen seventy. Yes. So, so so this was not unusual for him to put up strikeout totals like this. This was not like just some odd odd occurrence and just some great day for him no i think when rick took the mound you you were counting it a dozen plus strikeouts pretty much every time he took the mound uh like i said the article that i gave you uh, you asked me to bring a picture uh, for the article you guys are running and you know he defeated middletown on a one hitter with 18 strikeouts well joey lucas brunswick high school graduate in 1990 broke the state record uh, with 19 strikeouts, so how long did Rick hold that? You know, and it was amazing. Uh, uh, the school as small as Brunswick. Um, it's amazing that another uh, Brunswick high graduate broke the record. Yeah, pretty ironic, right? Uh, what, what was Ricky's personality like? I mean, a competitive guy, you said, but 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 you said he had other talents too. Like he was a, he was a singer. Like like what what was he like on a day to day basis? You know, he he may have been one of the most talented people that I ever been around. Uh, he was a s- distinguished vocalist. You know, he played with Penny Callis, who was with the Four Seasons, and Rick had a band that warmed up for them. Um, the, the guy was just good. He was just one of those guys, whatever he did, he was good at. And, uh, you know, just just a very, very talented uh, man. Yeah. And and he lost his life at, at, at a very young age, um, unfortunately. Um, sort of – he was just cutting the grass one day, and then he just uh, – and then it just got him. Uh, he – Fell victim to a heart attack. Yeah, Rick. Rick had health issues as a child, um, which many people don't know. You know, he had actually was born with three kidneys, and I think it caused him a lot of difficulties throughout his life. You know, medically, maybe they don't know things. They didn't know things then that they do now. And um, what, what, I mean, it sounds like a rare. Was, was that? Yeah, it was fairly rare at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and he had some issues with health, hepatitis, and stuff like that. Um, but battled through that to become the athlete and the person that he was. Uh, did, did he, was he pitching through through some of that stuff? Uh, most of it was when he was younger. Yeah, you know. Uh, but he he battled through that and and became a great athlete and and like I said, a distinguished vocalist. He was an engineer on the railroad. Um, you know the the B the B and O. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, you know, unfortunately, I think the early health issues in his life caused him, you know. To, to leave the world sooner than we'd like to see him go. Yeah. What, what, what sort of impact did his death ha- have on you? Well, well, it's pretty devastating. I mean, you lose – you not only lose a brother, you you lose somebody that you admire and uh, you really look up to. And, you know, I think not only on me, but our whole family. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, it had to it really hit the family very hard. Yes, it did. We had just lost my father the year before, so – uh, Rick's death was was pretty devastating to our family for a long period of time. How, how do you process that as a, as, a, as a young boy? Well, I wasn't young. I was a college, you know, just out of college at well, the time. But relatively young, yeah, still. Yeah. Uh, you know, what I did was try to think about you know what Rick was and what he did and and the memories that he gave our family and and certainly the community of Brunswick. I mean, guys in Brunswick are still talking about how great he was and. You know, he was a good person on top of that. So, you know, I just try to cherish the memories and and who Rick Dawson really was. How has pitching changed in in in, in the fifty years um, that this record was set? I mean, now now everyone's it's become a science now. Now you have pitch counts and and, and Tommy John surgery and and all this stuff that has come into the game. Like, but 
and what are the biggest ways that it's changed over over the last 50 years? Well, the, the schedule. I think when these guys played, they might have played a dozen games. You know, we're playing 20 now, and we compact them in pretty tightly. Uh, you got to have pretty much three arms now uh, to be successful at the high school level in a week. Back when you're playing twice a week, you know, these guys could, could throw and possibly even throw twice in a week. So, you know, the pitch count comes into that. Uh, you know, we're a little more cognizant now about arm injuries and, and taking care of kids. You know, like you said before, back then they just let guys go, and you know we don't do that now. We we're you know, you know, pretty particular about how we take care of kids and and that type of thing there. So I think it's 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 more about uh, you know protecting kids' arms and and not overuse. Yeah, I mean, if you let a pitcher uh, into the tenth inning of a playoff game, um, keep going, you you probably have some. Pe- parents uh that you'd have to answer to right? right yeah i can remember andrew wanger in the smithsburg game and you know it was a tight ball game there he was at like 110 112 pitches and i made the decision to take him out and uh we come back and went around them and and wanger wasn't giving up the ball and let i let the kid go out and throw 127 128 pitches which you know i'm kind of pulling my hair out in the dugout but you know those days are over now 105 pitches and that's it yeah, and, and and what's considered an elite strikeout total now? Just because the just because the scale has changed so much. Well, I mean, we, we got guys. You throw it. You throw a ten plus strikeout game. You're you're setting guys down. You're missing bats. Right. Um, it, it's mind boggling to me. You know that Rick went out and struck out fifteen and eighteen and twenty four and and you know that's just that's just setting guys down that aren't making contact. And he that's, did it with two pitches. Not and and there, there was no slider back in the day. The, right. the, the changeup wasn't as prevalent. Right. So to do it with two pitches like you sort of almost you don't know exactly what's coming but you, but you have an idea. Right. So. Well, I think location and he he definitely had punch out power. You you uh you don't set guys down like that unless you you know you got that punch out power. Right. And and just how is this record just you've alluded to it a little bit but just how is the record uh, reverberating and resounding around the community of Brunswick uh, to this day? Well, I tell you, I'll be honest with you, I was coaching at Brunswick High School and really didn't even know. I knew my brother was good and I, I knew he, he accomplished great things on the baseball field, but Bill Cauley, you know, one of your folks, yeah. uh, actually was the scorekeeper at that game and and Bill brought So he's responsible attention. for the nine errors, right? Uh, Cauley Call, is. <laughs> there, so. you go. there you go, we can put that on him. <laughs> uh, no, but Bill brought the, to my attention when the state record book came out and said, you know your brother holds a state record for you know strikeouts in a game and he said i scored the game and it's in the frederick news post so he he was he was the person that brought the whole uh game and 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 the feat that rick had accomplished to light so you know bill thank god bill was there you know so he you know he got it into record books for rick all right how how are you doing it's been a while since we had 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 you on here everything going okay yeah yeah. how how would you assess the past season at brunswick high we were very young yeah uh you know started some freshmen a couple sophomores and and played 500 type baseball and um it's kind of what i expected going in and uh yeah you know we're looking for big things in the future and i understand you're going to some legion games some junior legion games the little league season's coming to an end so so is there some future talent coming through the pipeline at, at, at Brunswick? Well, or? I'm surely going to be out there checking it out to see if there is. Right. And, and how how are the Orioles doing? Uh, uh, they, Orioles. they started last night and won nine to one. Okay. So All right, good start. Off, started off with you know a big win, their home opener. Good start, and, and you're still doing some work uh, for yeah, the Orioles for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, uh, still, two years to do, still doing some regional scouting. Yes, yeah, so. still scouting for Baltimore yeah. as well. 
Yeah. How about some of these young pitchers the Orioles have in the system? Hall, uh, Kramer, uh, the, the the kid they got in the uh, in the Machado trade from the Dodgers. What's your take on some of the young arms in the Orioles in the Baltimore Orioles system? Well, and talking to our player development people, I think we got some good arms. It's, you know, it's it's going to be something we're going to have to wait on, and and the fruition of that's you know to come down the road. But I think they uh, they they. They put a lot of emphasis on arms, and uh, you know I'm hoping in a couple of years we see the benefits from that. And, and, and the major league draft was, was this week. Of course, the Orioles um, made some headlines with with their pick of uh, Adley uh, Rutschman at uh, number one overall. Right, uh, catcher. He, uh, uh, catcher. Some say he's the best baseball prospect since Bryce Harper. So, um, so, so uh, when when you hear when you hear those kind of accolades, what 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 runs through your mind? I mean, obviously you haven't seen him play that much. Probably, nah, I haven't yeah. seen him, but. Uh, you know, from what I'm hearing from our people, he he was the best guy in the draft, and uh, you know, I, I I think they're expecting big things from him down the road as well. Right. So, any, any big plans this summer, or just just watching baseball? Yeah, like, a little like baseball, a little so. vacationing, and uh, where where, you know, where where do you go on vacation? Yeah, we do some stuff in Ocean City and Bethany nice. Beach, and uh, you know. Just gotta ba- relax a little bit. Baseball guys don't go to. The, I mean, they don't get to go to the beach because they're all they're all, they're always at the field because baseball's <laughs> a, uh, baseball's a summer sport. You gotta so make, you got to make a couple days. You, know, you, you do have to make a couple days. Uh, Roger Dawson, uh, the, Brun- the Brunswick High School uh, baseball coach. Thanks for coming in and, and helping us uh, remember your brother's uh, remarkable state record uh, 50 years ago uh, to this day. So no problem. Thank you guys. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks to producer uh, Graham Collin, and thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week uh, with another episode of the Final Score Podcast. We'll, uh, we look to have a Frederick Keys player on next week. Until then, I'm Greg Swatek of the Frederick News Post Sports Department, and you've been listening to the Final Score Podcast.